Happy Easter, Evangel Church. Are you happy to be here today? Well, my name is Pastor Chris, and I'm the senior pastor here at Evangel, and I'm so thankful that you are with us. And I think I dropped out there, did I? Can you hear me okay? All right, great. I'm so thankful that you're with us here at Evangel Church. I want to thank you before we even open up this service. Thank you for your patience. Some of you almost lost your salvation, right, trying to get in here today, getting ready for this service. Thankful there's forgiveness. We'll talk about that in, uh, in a few moments. But I wanted you to know a couple things. Number one, we had double the amount of people in our first service than we did last year for Easter. That's worth ex- celebrating. And I want you to know one other thing. That we saw in our last service, dozens of people give their lives to Jesus and put their faith in him. An amazing day already, and I know that God has something incredible in store for us. Now, I said to them in our first service, I'll say it to you, uh, this is not our normal Sunday morning crowd. So I don't know why all of you are here. Uh, I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know if someone wouldn't stop nagging you. I don't know if a family member dragged you out of bed this morning and threw a tie on you and made you get in here to church. I don't know if someone uh, handed you an invitation card, someone hit you up on Facebook, whatever it is. But here's one thing that I'm confident this morning is that I know that the God of the universe is alive, that he wants to speak a word to our hearts today, and that he wants to change our lives forever. So whatever the reason is that you're here, I'm thankful that you're here, and I am believing God to meet you in a powerful way. Above all, we have one simple goal as we spend time in God's word this morning. It's not that you would see me. It's not that you'd see the person on your left or on your right. It's that you would see exactly what those we read about in the scriptures saw on the first Easter Sunday. That you will see it clearly and that it will change your life forever. And in the same way, at the end of this time together, that you will make a decision and you will respond in the same way that they responded on that verse, that first Easter Sunday. So I'm believing God to do a great work as we discover together what it means when we say this changes everything. Because the first Easter Sunday wasn't as exciting as we've been celebrating. It wasn't very fun. It wasn't full of celebrations. It wasn't full of bunnies. It wasn't full of pictures and nice dresses. It wasn't full of dyed eggs or baskets being hidden. It was full of despair. It was full of fear. It was full of doubt. It was full of a group of people who were disillusioned. And here's why they were disillusioned. Because they had been following this man named Jesus for the better part of three years They had seen him work miracles. They had seen signs and wonders. They'd even seen him raise a man from the dead. And yet he died a criminal's death on a cross. He was placed in a tomb that had to be borrowed from someone. And now, on the third day, as the the sun was rising, their hopes had fallen, and they did not know what they had gotten themselves into. They were disillusioned. Here's what they believed. This man was not who we thought he was. He wasn't who we thought he was. These people had left everything to follow him. These disciples had left their careers. They had left all that they had known in this life because they believed that Jesus was the one whom they should follow with their lives. And they're left doubting and disillusioned, disappointed and frustrated. Some of them had actually given up. They had said it's over and they went back to their old lives, their old careers. They're working fishing. They're they're doing whatever they can just to rebuild their lives because their hope is buried in a tomb with the man they had been following for three years. But something happened that Easter Sunday that changed everything. 
Something happened that Easter Sunday that took them from that place of leaving, disappointed, disillusioned, doubting, to going to the extreme of being ready to lay down their lives, and eventually they would do it for what they witnessed that first Easter Sunday. That's what we mean when we say this changes everything. I want you to take your Bibles with me, and I want you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have your Bible, you can look here, or you can look back there. You can't look here. Um, So feel free to do that. Follow along. There is a Bible in your pew in front of you if you'd like to read along with us. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to understand what changed everything. Here's what Paul says to a group of believers in the first century, about 20 years after the first Easter Sunday. He says this, Now I make known to you, Brethren, the gospel, the good news which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you were saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Catch this, according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Here's what Paul says changed everything, is that Jesus died for the sins of humanity, and on the third day he rose again. This is what changed everything. On the first Easter Sunday, there was an empty tomb in a risen, resurrected Jesus. That changes everything. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead is what changes everything. Paul is telling them in this moment that everything that they know, everything they believe hinges on this one fact. If they call themselves a Christian, it hinges on this one fact. Jesus raising, being resurrected from the dead. Did you catch what he said there in verse 2? Look back. He said, if not, then what you believed was in vain. If not, then you believed in vain. It wasn't real. It wasn't true. So he says everything hinges on this. It's kind of like a linchpin. I don't know if you've ever heard of this term, but a linchpin is something that is, that is used and has been used for thousands of years to hold an axle to a wheel so that a wheel can continue to spin. In fact, there are etchings from thousands of years ago that show linchpins being used on chariots, buggies, anything that had wheels so that it would hold the wheel in place. Now, if you were on something that was requiring a linchpin and you're riding down the road, could you imagine? You're riding, you're going fast, and if that linchpin gave out, then everything comes crumbling down. You see, the resurrection is the linchpin of life. The resurrection is the thing that holds everything that Jesus says together. Everything we believe is holding and being held by this one idea. Jesus resurrected on Easter Sunday. 
that changes everything. And what he says is if you don't get that, if you don't believe that, if, you, if this did not happen, then everything you believe is in vain. Pack it up. Liquidate everything. Get out of this. Get out of the church and never come back. Because if he didn't raise from the dead, then everything we believe is a lie. Look what he says if you go down to verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this, If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, then we are of all men most to be pitied. He says this to them clearly. If Jesus was not risen, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then it has an all-encompassing impact on every area of your life. There are three things that he's saying here that are affected. Your life and my life, every life that has lived since that moment has been affected. And it changes everything. It affects everything. There are three things. First, it affects your past. Because if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then guess what? Your past still defines you. You're still defined by your past. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then your present still confines you. And if he did not raise from the dead, then your future should scare you. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then your past still defines you. What does that mean, that your past still defines you? You and I, we are defined ultimately by moments, defining moments that make us who we are today. There's a series of moments and there's a series of choices that every one of us have made. And those choices have made us who we are today, in this moment, at this time. We've made choices for the better. And those choices have had an impact on our lives. We've made choices for the worse. We've made bad choices and they have shaped us as well. And I'm so thankful because there's something today that all of us need. We all stand on level ground because of the choices that we've made. All of us need forgiveness today. I need forgiveness and you need forgiveness. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I want you to tell them you need forgiveness. Some of you are saying, I've been waiting for this for a while. You need, you need forgiveness. Why do we need forgiveness? Because in those series of choices that we have made in our lives, we have made choices that have impacted our relationships. We've made choices, and by those choices, if they were wrong choices, if they were hurtful choices, if they were ignorant choices, they were choices that caused and inflicted pain, have caused offense, have marginalized, have come against someone, have hurt them, have wounded them, have said something that you wish you would not have said, and they have disintegrated or broken down relationships. And as those relationships, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your child, whether it's with your friend, whether it's with any other person around you that you can think of right now, you could probably think of someone that you have hurt at some point in your life, someone that you have failed, someone that you have let down, someone that you have, have affected and impacted, even in a negative way, based upon a choice that you have made or been a part of. Those choices, those things that have happened, call for forgiveness, that we need to receive that forgiveness so that that relationship can be made whole again. All of us need forgiveness, every single one of us today. We need forgiveness in our lives. In the same way that we have relationship with all the people around us, 
The Bible says that God created us to have a relationship with him. In that relationship, we have made choices. And if we've made choices that do not line up with God's standard for the way he has called us to live our lives, then we call that sin. And that sin, that sin is a choice that we've made that is contrary to God's way. It's something that has offended the heart of God, something that separates us and disintegrates our relationship with him. And that choice to sin, those choices that we've made, whether it's small or large, they're all the same in God's eye. They separated us from him. And you know what? The remedy for that would be is forgiveness, that our sins would be forgiven, just as we are called to forgive one another, that God in heaven would forgive us. And Jesus came, and a part of why he came was to forgive us of our sins that separate us from a holy God. That no longer would the record of our past be held against us. No longer when we would one day reach the end of our life and we would come before a holy God and he would say, this is my, this is my measuring stick, perfection. How do you line up? And we sit there and we try to count all of our good and weigh it against all of our bad. That we don't have to do that because we'll always come up wanting. We'll always come up short. We can never earn our way to a perfect holy God. And he says... Jesus came, and what he said is he healed, and as he moved among the people, he said this one term, your sins are forgiven. Your past no longer defines you. A woman caught in the act of adultery said, get up and go and sin no more. Your old life is gone. You have a brand new life. And you know what they said? Who has the authority to forgive sins except God himself? But here's what you need to know today, that if the tomb's still full, If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then your sins still define your life. Your past still defines you. You can never escape it. You can never get rid of it. You can never cure it. You can never pay enough to remove it or expunge it. It's there. And you're stuck by your past. Your present is altered. Your present confines you. What does that mean? It means that if there is nothing beyond this life, then all we have, all we have is what we see. All we have are the moments that are ticking by, the days that are going by, the years that are being wasted away. And we can so easily get caught in a cycle, a cycle where we just feel like we're going through the motions. And one day turns into a year, turns into a decade. And some of you know what this feels like because you wake up one morning and you say, you know what, I've been doing this for 10 years and I've gotten nowhere. I'm still dealing with the same junk. I'm still dealing with the same addictions. I'm still wrestling with the same temptations. I'm still trying to self-medicate that same pain. I'm still trying to deal with all of these issues, and nothing is getting better. I thought I was making progress. But there comes that time that you pass by again, and you realize the faces have changed, the circumstances are slightly different, but nothing has really changed. You're caught in a cycle. You know, my wife and I, we... Whenever we first had our, our daughter, uh, Lily, who just turned one this St. Patrick's Day, so we're just learning what it means to be parents for the first time. We just longed for the time when we could take her out and do something. I was so excited yesterday. I got to push her in a swing for the first time, and, and just exciting to see these new things. We were really wanting to rush to do a lot of fun things with her in public. Doctors told us we couldn't leave the house for a certain period of time uh, just to be safe. Well, the first thing we did when we were able to take her out is we took her down to the Jersey Shore and we put her on a merry-go-round. 
and we stood there with her, and it was a beautiful picture, and, you know, it was just so fun, and it was like one of those Kodak moments. Uh, kids, just ask your parents what Kodak is. They'll tell you about that. Um, and so we want to take this picture, and we loved it, and then, you know, the, the merry-go-round starts going around, and you know what I realized in about five seconds? Why I cannot stand merry-go-rounds. Um, and here's why, is that there's a, so much movement happening, but I realize that ultimately I'm making no progress. I'm not going anywhere. Put me on a roller coaster. At least it goes around something and it moves around and, you know, there's dips and turns. But this thing just spins around. And the only thing that I'm really left with at the end is a headache and nausea. And I'll tell you what, some of you, we could laugh about that. But isn't that the reality of life so often that we live? That it just keeps going round and round. And all you're really left with at the end is a sick feeling in your stomach. That nothing's really changing. You can feel a sense of helplessness and hopelessness. That you will never break the cycles and the things that have been plaguing you in this life. Here's what you need to know today. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then you were still confined by those kinds of cycles. By that merry-go-round in your life. And it never ends. Until your life ends. And you come to the future. And if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then the future scares you, and it should scare you. Here's what Paul says to them in verse 18. He says, those that have fallen asleep, those that have died in Christ, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, those that have died in Christ are still dead. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then death is the final destination. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then there is no hope beyond the grave. That's what it says today. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, if the tomb is still full on Easter Sunday, then our lives are still empty. Our future has no hope beyond this life that we live. And just as Paul said, if that's the case, we should be pitied among all men. We should be pitied completely. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, if what we read about in Scripture today is not true, then something terrible has happened. Now, there's a holiday that happens this time of the year. It has truly become a holiday. It happens every spring, and it comes without warning so often. And when the day arrives, something happens. Something strange takes place. You wake up. You pull out your phone. You go into your social media. You check uh, the headlines. You check the news. And you start to see crazy things happening. Now, if the world wasn't crazy enough as it is, you're starting to see uh, a phone that's a knife and some socks that have Wi-Fi and uh, they're making changes here and they're, they're going to do that and this new person's uh, go going to become a president of some country. You see all these strange things and you say, I can't believe it, but I'm going to believe it. And then you get hit with it, April Fool's. And you feel like a fool for a moment, Right? Now, don't pretend because God sees you that you have not fallen for any April Fool's jokes this year or any, any other time. Uh, I know that I have. I know that you probably have. And how does that feel? You feel foolish because you bought into something and you said, I, I can't believe it, but wow, that's amazing. You, you buy into it. You, you believe it for a moment because you want to believe it because it makes you feel good. Oftentimes, the best April Fool's Jokes that are played are whenever they say things that everyone would want to hear. And then you find out it's all a joke and you laugh and you kind of blush and you're kind of frustrated. Here's my question for you. Our first 
audience was way, way, way more honest. They've they fallen for the April Fool's jokes. I don't know about you guys. But here's what I know, and here's what I want to ask you. How long does it take for you to find out that it's just a hoax? How long between the time that you receive the information do you go through the process of validating it to then find out that this wasn't true? They're not changing Cinderella's castle to Elsa's castle in Disneyland. That's what they said this year. That's not happening. They don't have technology for your socks. That's a GPS to train you where to go. It's not true. Did it take you seconds to find that out? Did it take you minutes? Did it take you hours? Here's what I know. The truth always comes out. The truth always comes forth. The truth always ends up setting you free from the lie. And if Jesus did not raise from the dead, here's what we need to know. It was the greatest April Fool's joke in the history of humanity. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, it was the greatest hoax in history. Get me on this. It was the greatest lie, the greatest scheme that has ever happened. Because they've orchestrated it where there are hundreds of witnesses that have seen something. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, that makes him the biggest liar ever. And 2,000 years have gone by. And starting in the very first day, whenever the tomb was empty, you know, the first thing that the Roman government started doing, they took the body. They started trying to spread words. Oh, the followers just came and they took the body of Jesus. No, he didn't raise from the dead. No, none of that happened. No, that didn't happen. It was just, you know, this big elaborate plan that they had. You know, uh, they were saying it and it was picking up some momentum until one thing happened. Jesus started showing up. He starts showing up in a room. He starts walking through walls. He starts showing up and telling people everything they ever know. He shows up in a group of 500 people, Paul said, all at the same time. 500 people don't have a hallucination at the same time. He shows up to them and reveals himself. And you know what happens? It changes everything. And centuries have gone by, 2,000 years. And you know what? Humanity is still longing to try to do this one thing, disprove the resurrection. They want to find some evidence. They want to find a tomb. Guess what? They've been looking for the tomb for 2,000 years. They've been looking for the body of Jesus for 2,000 years. And guess what? They haven't found it. You know why? Because they will never find it because he's risen. He's alive. But that's their goal. That's their goal is to try to find some evidence. But everything keeps pointing back to this one fact. Jesus is alive. Back in the 1800s, Simon Greenleaf was an agnostic. Some even thought him to be an atheist. He didn't believe in God. He was a very bright man. And he believed that the resurrection was either a myth or a lie. And he knew something about the truth. You see, he was one of the founders of the Harvard Law School, and he was a world-renowned expert on evidence. And when one of his students challenged him, Simon set out and said, I want you to disprove the resurrection. So he set out looking to disprove it. He studied all of the evidence, and what he did was he held it against some of his world-renowned work on what justifies and gives burden of proof to prove something to be true. And the first things you look at are the credibility of the witnesses and the number of witnesses. And as he's studying and he's seeing the lives of these people, the stories of these 12, 
you start to put together these pieces and say, you know what, in any other case, in any other lie when it's being carried out, you get 12 people together and let's say they really wanted to buy in and get everyone to believe the lie. They'd say, all right, we're all going to do this. Here it is. Here's our story. Let's all get our stories straight. Here's what happened and we're all going to take an oath. But he said, over time and with enough pressure, someone always cracks in rooms even smaller than 12. Someone always gives it up and says, you know, this was just a lie. This was just a lie. Do you know what happened by the end of their lives? Time went on, decades went on, and they lost their lives. And even to the very end, as they breathed their last, they held firmly to this one thing. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Then you got 500 witnesses. That just doesn't happen. 500 witnesses. This is a slam dunk. Eventually, this man who set out to disprove the resurrection said, I can only prove the opposite. Jesus rose from the dead. The resurrection is true. And he went from being an agnostic or an atheist to being a believer in Jesus, and it changed everything in his life. He became an incredible inspiration and helped others as they went along in their journey. If Jesus rose from the dead, then that changes everything. If Jesus, if the tomb is empty today, then that changes everything about your life. It changes everything about Jesus. Do you know why? Because if he rose from the dead, that means everything he said about himself is true. If Jesus rose from the dead, then everything he said is true. If there's a man who could predict his death and his resurrection and carry it out, I'm following him. I'm believing him. I'm with him. And so were the hundreds that witnessed him and witnessed the scars on his hands and witnessed Jesus after his resurrection. He lived a real life. He died a real death. And then he got up out of the tomb on the third day and he went and walked around. Corpses don't do that. It changes everything. And it changes everything about your life and about life as we know it. You see, because Jesus rose from the dead, it changes our past. Because now our past can be forgiven. It changes our present. That cycle I told you about, that hopelessness in life, the chains that we carry, our present, we can be set free to live the life that he made possible by his resurrection. Because Jesus, if what he said about himself is true, and it is because he rose from the dead, here's what he said. In John chapter 8, who the Son sets free is free indeed. That there is freedom in the name of Jesus. There is forgiveness in the name of Jesus. When Jesus went and forgave sin, he was really forgiving as God himself. And now he made a way where there seemed to be no way. He made it possible for us to be forgiven. He made it possible for us to be free. He made it possible for us to have a hope and a future. If what Jesus said about himself is true because he rose from the dead, validating it, here's what he said in John chapter 14 before he ever went to the cross. He said this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go to prepare that place, I will come back and I'm going to receive you to myself that where I am, you will be also. Today, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then we have no hope beyond the grave. But if Jesus rose from the dead, that changes everything because now our future is not scary. Our future is secure. 
Our future is secure in this fact that just as Jesus rose, so will we into newness of life to be with him for eternity. That's the gift that God gave. It said, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting, eternal life. This is what Jesus said about himself. His resurrection validates his identity. He is who he said he is. And Jesus said, as he stood outside the tomb of his beloved Lazarus, as they felt like all hope was gone because the grave death was final, Jesus stood there and he said, listen to me. Before he ever went to the cross, he said this. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. That's what Jesus said. And he said, and everyone who believes in me and lives will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? At the end of your life, in this moment in time, Easter Sunday, 2015, there's only one thing that matters. There's only one thing that matters right now. Do you believe this, that Jesus died for your sins and that God raised him on the third day and that today if you put your faith in him, then everything he says is true. Do you believe this? That's all that matters. Because Jesus comes today. And just like 2,000 years ago, he comes to the doubter. He comes to the disillusioned. He comes to the defeated. He comes to the disappointed. He comes to you right where you are. Tell you what, if there was anyone that was fed up with religion, it was the people standing that had followed Jesus for three years. And they said, this is nothing. This is garbage. And then they had an encounter with the risen Savior. And that changes everything. Because it's not about religion anymore. It's not about a set of rules. It's about a living relationship with a risen God. And that's what matters. That changes everything. So Jesus comes today to those of you that have been gripped with doubt, have been disillusioned, that feel that God can't love you, that God can't meet you right where you're at. He comes to those who have doubted him, who didn't really believe that God rose from the dead, thought this was just a nice thing. Jesus didn't come as just a good teacher. He didn't come and just say some nice things to make you a little bit better. He came to die in your place, and he rose from the dead so that he can make you alive because you were dead. That's what he came to do, not to come to make you better. He came to make you alive. He came to give you life. He came to take on your sin and give you his righteousness. Today, that's what God's word says. That's what Jesus said about himself and why he came. And he rose from the dead. And it changes everything. And he appeared to the doubters. And he appeared to the one that had given up and had gone away. The one who had gone back to his old life. And he called out to him in the boat. He showed up at the tomb when Mary is utterly in despair and he called her name. There's some of you who've been running for God. You've been running from him for a long time. And I want you to know this Easter Sunday, the risen Savior is here and he's calling your name. He's been speaking to you. He's been leading you to this moment in time because he wants you to have a hope again. He wants you to have this life again. He wants you to believe again. There's others of you today 
that you're like the crowds, you're like those that thought this was just a rumor. But today, you're seeing for the first time what they saw for the first time, that Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, it changes everything. It changes your past, your present, and your future. But the one question is all that matters. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Every person within the sound of my voice in our overflow environments watching online right now, this is a moment between you and God because this is the question that Jesus asked on that very first Easter. And it's the same question he comes and asks every single one of you today. Do you believe this? Because this is what God's word says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So today... I don't have to convince you if you're far from God because you already know. God's already been speaking to your heart maybe since the first moments you woke up this morning because he's been orchestrating the moments of your life to this moment in time. Jesus is ready to change someone's life today. He's ready to change everything by the gift of himself. Do you believe this? And will you receive his free gift? Are you confident that you put your faith in him? Or have you struggled with doubt? Or is today the very first time that you say, you know what? I've been weighing it, but I believe. I trust in Jesus. I put my faith in him and what he's done for me. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer from from the bottom of your heart. Repeat this after me, right where you're sitting, right where you're at. Today you're coming home. You'd given up, but he's calling your name again and you're coming back to him. Say this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I confess my sins. And I thank you for your forgiveness. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again and that there's a new life on the other side of the grave and a new life for today. Thank you that my hope is secure. Thank you that my future is secure. I follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at me now. Some of you, you said that for the very first time. You said that for the very first time and I want to tell you something. I'm going to ask you today to take another step with me this morning. There's another step that I want you to take because faith, faith isn't just a private thing. It isn't just something to be done privately. In fact, it's more of a public thing. And God's waiting for you. He's calling out for you. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment if you will stand to recognize that today, for the first time, or you've returned again after being away from him, but you are putting your faith in Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday. You're letting him change everything. Now, why do we stand? Because I believe today is a defining moment in your life. Amen. Right there. Amen. 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 Keep standing. I don't even need to give the invitation. Come on. If that's you, stand up right where you're at. Stand up right where you're at. If that's you, you're giving your faith to Jesus. Come on, right where you're at. Come on. Woo! Come on, if that's you today, 
Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Come on, stand right where you're at. Stand right where you're at. Right before him. If someone coming home today, someone, if you're in the overflow, stand right where you're at today. Jesus is calling your name. Amen. Amen. If that's you, come on right down here. Just walk right out of your seats. Come on. Come on. Walk right out of your seats. Come right down here to someone. Come, let someone greet you. Let's praise God as they come down. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Praise God. Come on. Right where you're at. Right where you're at. If you're up in the balcony, go right to the back. There are people waiting there for you. As you're standing, ushers, come and meet them. Come on. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If you're coming home today to Jesus, just come on down right now. Praise God. Those that have come forward, this is a life-changing moment, church. This is the moment that Jesus changes everything. But I want to give you an opportunity. Because some of you, 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 you're just, everything in you is holding you back right now. But you just want so badly to put your hope and your faith in Jesus. I want you to stand and you say, why, why do I have to stand? Because it is a defining moment. It is a moment that is drawn in the line. You will say this, I've seen that Jesus rose from the dead. I've seen the evidence and I'm either going to choose to accept him and believe or I'm going to choose to deny him. And Jesus said this, if you deny me privately, I will deny you before the Father. But if you believe in me, if you believe in what I've done for you, if you place your hope in me, then you have a future and a life. And today, if you're not ready to stand here, when you just saw the ovation that's happening, you're not ready to stand here, you're not ready to stand out there. But I'm gonna give you one more opportunity today. If today's the day for you, I'm gonna count the three. And if that's you, I want you to jump to your feet and I want you to come right down to this altar and meet someone. One, two, three. Is there anyone else? Stand to your feet, come on, anyone else? Amen, amen, thank you. Right there, in the overflow, anyone else? Stand right where you're at and come around right up. Church, would you stand now with me? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you for your resurrection. And we praise you today that you are the God who saves us. And we pray today that you'd lead us out of here by the power of your resurrection. Make us witnesses, Lord God, to this fact that you have done a work in us. You have changed everything. You have saved us. Thank you, Lord, for this Easter. Give us a safe and an amazing Resurrection Sunday. Help us to walk with you and to share your love with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God.